Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Jesus' three baptisms. You may not know it, but there are three baptisms that are spoken of in Scripture that Jesus received. Now, he receives baptisms as our mediator, that is, as the one who goes between sinful man and holy God, as the appointed deliverer of the people God has chosen in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus is the recipient of these three baptisms, and they're very important in his life, and they're very important in how they relate to us. I want to discuss those with you briefly today. The first baptism that Jesus receives is a baptism in water. It is the baptism of John the Baptist. Now, what makes this sort of unique and sometimes mystifying to Christians is that John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And if you know the life of Jesus Christ, if you know the witness of the Gospels, the witness of church history, Jesus Christ was sinless. He never committed a sin. He was not born with a sinful nature, and he did not commit sins of any kind. He was perfectly righteous from the moment of his conception, followed by his birth, throughout his life. And yet he comes to John in the wilderness, his forerunner, and asked to be baptized. Now, John thought this was not right. And so we read in Matthew 3, 11, John describing his baptism, I indeed baptize you in water for repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn up with unquenchable fire. So that's John and his message. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But John would have hindered him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Do you hear John? He says, no, this is not right. You need to ask, I need you to baptize me. You don't need to be asking me to baptize you. He recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, that he was sinless. He already knew Jesus. He knew about Jesus, and he knew Jesus. After all, they're only six months apart in their birth and their relatives. John would say, no, I need to be baptized by you. So why do you come to me? Jesus answered and says, allow it to be for now, for this is the fitting way to us for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, God gave you this command. And through you, the command is that all people are to come and be baptized in repentance for sin, for the forgiveness. I need to do this. Now, he's not needing to do it because he is a sinner. But he needs to do it because it is God's command. And he, as the mediator, must fulfill all of the commands As the second Adam, he must fulfill all commands that God has given. As the Israel, fulfillment of Israel, he must fulfill all of God's commandments. 
And so John permits him to do so. Now listen, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightly from the water. He came up out of the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming on him. Behold, a voice out of the heavens says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now that verse also introduces us to the second baptism that Jesus experiences. He not only experiences the dipping in the water by John, the immersion of John, but he also experiences the baptism of the Spirit. That is the immersion in the Spirit. The complete fullness of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon him. So let's review for just a moment. Why did Jesus submit to the baptism of repentance that John had? I want to give you just three reasons out of several. First, I've already mentioned obedience to all God commanded. Since God commanded people to be baptized through the ministry of John, his forerunner, he must fulfill all commandments. Secondly, he came as an act of identification with those he came to save. Jesus has taken his place among sinners because it is sinners for whom he will make his sacrifice on the cross. He will become their sin bearer. And so he now identifies in the Jordan with sinners and with the sin that they have. And there's a third great reason. His act of baptism, in which he is immersed in the water, he's dipped under and then raised up, is a prophetic foreshadowing of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He will do literally these things at the end of three or four years when he died on the cross, was buried in the empty tomb, in the, and became the empty tomb when he came out of it, and resurrected from the dead. Now, Jesus later would talk about this in cryptic terms when a group of people asked him, what's the sign that you are the Messiah? And he told them, there will be no other sign given to you than the sign of Jonah. And so if you know the story of Jonah, we have again an immersion experience. Jonah, thrown into the water, is swallowed by the fish. We don't know what kind of fish it was, but some kind of fish in which he could stay alive in some kind of air pocket. And then he was thrown out upon the land. So in a sense, he was thrown into the water as if dead. He was buried there, and then he rose up and was vomited on the seashore. Well, Jesus fulfills all of these signs in his literal death burial, and resurrection. And all of that is foreshadowed by his own baptism of John, by John, in the Jordan River. Now, there's another reason that uh, Jesus is baptized besides these I've mentioned. It's for confirmation that he is the appointed mediator, that he will be the sin bearer. And so it says, the next day, now I'm reading from John 1, 29 through 34. Now the next day here does not mean the next day after his baptism of the Jordan. Because we're told uh, in Luke and uh, in another passage of scripture that he immediately was sent into the wilderness or into the desert to be tempted of the devil. That happened immediately after his baptism. But that's what John is talking about here is the next day after these group of 
delegates came from Jerusalem to ask him if he was the Messiah. And he said, no, I'm not the Messiah. There's someone coming after me who's greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Well, this is what John said to them the next day. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him. Now, this would be right after Jesus emerges from the wilderness or the desert where he's been tempted for 40 days by the devil. He sees Jesus coming to him and he cries out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, he's talking Again, in both a literal term, but in one way, in a cryptic term. Jesus was actually before John because Jesus is eternal. He was the Word who existed with God from all eternity, but who came as a man through the Virgin Mary. We read about all that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. So John is referencing that. Because even when John was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth and Jesus in the womb of his mother Mary entered into his presence, John leaped for joy. And the prophetic statement is made about him recognizing who Christ is. So he has a reference here. Then he says, uh, Jesus was born six months after John, but John is saying that Jesus is preferred before him also because his status is greater than John. You see, John is the forerunner. He's the prophetic forerunner. But Jesus is the one that he is doing his ministry for. He's introduced Jesus to prepare the people for Jesus, the coming king of the kingdom of God. And so that's who he's identifying Jesus to be. He says, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I didn't know him in that role, but for this reason I came baptizing in water that he would be revealed to Israel. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending like a dove out of heaven, and it remained on him. I didn't recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, On whomever you see, who for on whomever you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him is he who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I've testified that this is the Son of God. Jesus, however, was not only baptized in water by John, but he was baptized immediately on that occasion with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we're told in Luke 4, 1, immediately after Jesus is baptized, we're said, Luke writes, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus is the one who receives the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a complete immersion in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, why would Jesus need that? He is already God. He is God and man. He is deity and humanity in one person. Yes, in one person, he has two natures, but his hum human nature must be filled with the Holy Spirit as he goes about his ministry as Messiah. And that's what the Word of God tells us happened to him. Look, when Jesus makes his first appearance in the synagogue at Nazareth, and he begins his ministry among his hometown, this is what he said. 
He's quoting from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then we read the fullness of this in John, I mean, Acts 10, 38. Peter's preaching on the day, uh, well, later on, Peter's preaching in a household or Cornelius, and he says, we know about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You see, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And John 3.34 testifies about Jesus. For he, that's Jesus, whom God has sent, speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. Now, why were people in the Old Testament anointed with oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit? In what roles did they play that Christ is now fulfilling? Well, there are three of them. There's the prophet, such as Moses. There is the priest, such as Aaron and his sons. And there is the king, such as David. Now, specifically, the scriptures tell us that priests and kings in Judah, uh, in Israel, were anointed with the Holy Spirit as they assumed their priestly and their kingly office. On occasion, we're told with that with reference to the prophets. But Jesus is fulfilling all three of these great offices that are separate in the nation of Israel, but are fulfilled completely and totally by Jesus Christ himself. And so God anointed him with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill his, his role as the prophet that was uh, prophesied by Moses in Deuteronomy 18. He's the final prophet. He's also testified by Hebrews chapter 1. As the priest, the one who comes to make the ultimate sacrifice even of himself. So he's both the priest and the sacrifice. And to do that, he must have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're told about that in the book of Hebrews. And he is the king of the kingdom of God. And so he is anointed by the Holy Spirit for his kingly role. In fact, the whole title of Christ and Messiah has a sort of particular reference to his kingship as the Messiah, the Davidic king that was prophesied and that he fulfills. Now, these are two of the three baptisms. I hasten to mention the third, and that is the baptism of suffering. Jesus says in Luke 12 and verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Now he's talking about his baptism of suffering that awaits him in the garden and on the cross, in the whole experience of being the sin bearer for the people. In the payment of our debts and the punishment due to them on the cross, which enables God to justly forgive the sins of his people, he must undergo the baptism of suffering. And that he does. We read about it in the garden. It begins, Mark 14, 52. Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, 
He said to his disciples, stay here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be greatly troubled and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And Luke twenty-two forty-four adds, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Then Jesus, you see, is taken as prisoner. He is brought before the various tribunals and he is beaten, he is mocked, he undergoes great suffering, and ultimately he is nailed on the cross, and there he dies under the judgment of man unjustly, but under the judgment of God because he is the sin-bearer for the people for whom he came to save. His suffering was on our behalf. He endured the suffering that we ourselves would undergo if we did not have him as our Savior. So Jesus was baptized three times. He was baptized in water in the Jordan to identify with sinners in his confirmation that he is the Messiah who has come to save his people and to set up the kingdom of God. At that time, he was also anointed with the Holy Spirit for his great messianic task that he went about doing, and that was culminated in his baptism of suffering on the cross of Calvary, by which he redeemed sinners like you and like me. This are the three baptisms of Jesus. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Remember, you too must be baptized. Your baptism It's the baptism of identification with Jesus Christ through faith in his name that's testified by water. And you need to be filled with this blessed Holy Spirit in order to be the Christian that God wants you to be because you need to be integrated and will be integrated into the body of Christ. And you may be called upon to suffer. And in some sense, all who belong to Christ Jesus will suffer persecution.